Hey guys, it's Matt here, and I got a story for you. When I was a kid, I was playing hockey, and oh man, there was this one year, this one team, we could not beat these guys. They were all over us. There were competitive games, though. They were tight, but we just could not beat them. And I remember the last game of the year, it was up against this team, and we were gearing up. We were like, we have to get these guys. When we won that last game, it was so satisfying because we finally got the victory over the team that had dummied us, that had dominated us for so long. I think this is the same thing with sexual brokenness, with sexual sin, where there's been brokenness in our lives and the enemy has come and taken ground and he's dominated us for so long, but we get to make a difference. We get to be part of a message and a a mission of freedom. It is such a cool opportunity. So I want to invite you, men and women of any age, to be part of the Action Squad. The Action Squad is something that we're putting together right now. We're looking for 100 people to be on the Action Squad. There's going to be some competitive nature to it. There's prizes. And we're going to work together to help produce a documentary that is literally going to change the world. We're featuring stories of sexual brokenness, of people who have been restored and redeemed, reconciled to God and to people in their their lives. And we're going to feature these stories in this world-class documentary that will be a resource for churches to host movie nights, for small small groups to watch together, for families to watch and be inspired by. And it's going to highlight the problem in the church, but also show the, the power of God that is at work when we bring this stuff to light. And so if you want to be part of the Action Squad and help us put this documentary together, I would love for you to go to restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. You can watch a 10-minute video there that I put together on what it can look like for you to join us in this mission and be part of putting this documentary together. So restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. Hope to see you there. Welcome to the Pure Victory Podcast, full of hot tips to help you win at sex, conquer porn, and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Braden Hafner. Hey everybody, welcome back to Pure Victory Podcast. Braden and Matt, once again, hanging out with you guys, and we're excited to be back. Another week, another great episode. And this is something actually that we're really excited to, to for today because we were just talking about it, eh, Matt, that we haven't in all of our episodes actually touched on trafficking yeah. and the link that there is to maybe the porn industry and even the, the underbelly of that industry as a whole. But not only that, the stories of people that have gone through that. And, and this is such a powerful thing that we wanted to just highlight. And we have an amazing team from a great ministry that we wanted to highlight today. Reflection Ministries is based in Midland, Texas. And I'm just so excited because we have two um, key components to that ministry. We have Sammy Flock, who is the prevention coordinator of that ministry. And she uh, was an educator for years. So Sammy, I I love that. My wife was as well too. So teachers are near and dear to my heart. So, And we really appreciate that you were doing that, but we're also thankful that God's called you into this ministry. You've been with uh, Reflection since January, and I'm sure you've seen a lot. And we're, we're excited to hear your story of why this matters to you. But thanks, Sammy, for being here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And thanks, Sammy. And we also have uh, another great guest, Jamie. She is actually a cousin of my wife, so she's near and dear to me. Thanks, Jamie, for being here. We, we really appreciate you and, and all that uh, you're doing in this ministry. You're a key volunteer, and, but you're, you know, you're a mom um, to an amazing couple of girls, a wife as well, but you're based in Texas as well. And we always, we love our Texas family. Yeah, I just love hearing you talk, Jamie. I love your accent. <laughs> well, thank you. I think you have more of the accent than I do, but... <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, we've we, heard that, hey? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we, I think we've had more Texans on the podcast than any other state, but there's always an accent. I definitely hear it, but... That's for sure. Yeah. But thanks for taking the time today, guys. And so we want to get into this talking about trafficking, but first, let's just have a quick understanding of Reflection Ministries. Maybe, Sammy, could you give me a brief kind of blurb about what Reflection Ministries is? Yeah, so uh, we're an organization that serves survivors of sex trafficking. We serve um, individuals 17 years and older. So we have what we call the village in an undisclosed location in Midland County. So it's five houses that we have out on a property. That's where our survivors reside. Um, So we provide for many different needs from from food to trauma therapy. We provide equine therapy. We provide identity restoration, legal services, educational opportunities. All of our uh, survivors attend school Monday through Friday from eight to five, whether it be they're working on their high school diploma or their GED, summer um, college level. We have one of our survivors that's attending uh, the nursing program at Midland College. Um, So wherever they're at, we're gonna meet their needs individually. We provide life skills training to equip them for success beyond our program, basic skills such as how to cook, how to clean, how to establish a budget, for finances. Really, our goal is to promote them towards a healing path and then again, equipping them for success so that they can um, successfully reintegrate back into society once they leave our program. In addition, so once they do leave our program, we will continue to provide two years of aftercare services. So um, if they needed continued therapy, counseling, parenting classes, job skills classes, we're going to continue to invest in the survivor for up to two years after they leave our program. What a godsend to these people who've been so traumatized and hurt to have reflection ministries kind of just come and you, it sounds like you just care for their every need. You're basically mm-hmm. Jesus basically, to them. Yeah. And that's, oh yeah. man, that's so cool. Can you just give a definition of basically like what does sex trafficking look like? I know everybody understands what pornography is, but when we're actually in it, there's so much more that we can give as a well, definition. We might have an understanding. I mean, people might have seen movies like Taken or things like that where yeah, we think yeah. that's what it, what it is. But yeah, right. me, I, give us some understanding. <laughs> mind um but so human trafficking is basically it's controlling a person for the purpose of exploiting them through sexual or labor acts by means of force fraud or coercion and i use those words because that is the legal definition of of trafficking it has to involve force that's going to be anything physical that's going to be tying somebody up somewhere drugging them rape torment abuse taking away documentation and then fraud fraud is basically just a lie it's a false promise it's a false pretense it's someone pretending to be someone they're not or offering to give something that they never actually intend to give and then coercion coercion is blackmail it's holding information over somebody or it's threatening an individual um, or threatening their family and friends. Um, it could look something like this. Hey, remember those pictures that you sent me online? You're going to do what I say, or I'm going to release those pictures for everyone to see. So human trafficking has to involve those, those three words in order for it to be considered trafficking under federal law. Um, And then what we know about recruiters and traffickers, they're looking for individuals with unmet needs and vulnerabilities. So it could be a vulnerability could be that, you know, that that individual spent time in foster care or they have juvenile justice involvement or they were homeless or um, were addicted to substances. Unmet needs could be physical needs. Um, you know, I don't know where I'm going to sleep tonight, or I don't know if I'm going to be able to eat dinner tonight. It could be an emotional need. I want somebody to love me. 
Um, I've never experienced that before and I just want somebody to love me or, you know, it could be, I just want nice clothes like everybody else has. And the thing about traffickers and recruiters, they're experts at finding out what those unmet needs are and then their game, their manipulation is to meet those needs. It's to build that trust with that individual and I'm gonna groom them and I'm going to get them to really trust me, maybe fall in love with me and then they're gonna turn that relationship into one of control and manipulation. Then they're gonna start that, I'm gonna force you to do these things or I'm gonna coerce you or I'm, you know, I'm in that fraud circumstance. So um, that's how they're gonna prey upon individuals. That's a great understanding for anybody listening and even for us, uh, what that looks like. Because it sounds like there's layers, there's complexity to this. Yeah. And, you know, what we know is it's a grooming process. And you mentioned Taken. And I think a lot of people, when they hear about human trafficking, that's what their, their mind goes to. But I will tell you that kidnapping, abduction are the least likely ways that an individual will enter into a trafficking situation. But the Polaris Project, they're a national organization that combats human trafficking. What they found through their research is that romantic situations are the number one recruitment method that traffickers and recruiters are using on individuals today. So they're really, again, you know, preying upon a person's vulnerability and they're getting that person to trust them. They're maybe getting that individual to fall in love with them and be the best pretend boyfriend or girlfriend you've ever had. And then again, they're going to turn that relationship. But it really doesn't happen like we see in the movie. But unfortunately, right. that's what so many of people in the community, that's what their minds go to. And so therefore, it makes it even harder, I think, to protect individuals who have vulnerabilities because the way it's playing out in our minds isn't the way it's actually happening. Right. So it is a very much a grooming process. Right. And Jamie, yeah. you've... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jamie. Yeah. No, a lot of people like are like, oh, it's kidnapping. It's like the taken. And I'm like, no, it's actually more like they know the person or it's even a family member like selling them. And it's just crazy, like the stories of how each victim comes across it. So it's definitely not mainly kidnapping. Wow. Right. For sure. And then Jamie, I was curious because you've actually had conversations with some of these these women who've maybe gone through some of that grooming process, have been coerced. In real life, what does that look like for them? Like, Because like sometimes if you feel like you're talking to someone, you may not pick up on the fact that maybe they, they've been manipulated that way. But what's the mindset of some of these girls? Um, very broken. Like when you talk to them, like I have especially this one lady that came into the program um she was 17 and she was just very broken and like i would try to talk to her and she would just be looking at the floor it wouldn't make conversation very like almost kind of like a you know when a dog did something wrong kind of like the sad face the droop like just kind of beaten down and that's what it's like and trying to get them out of their shell and to talk is kind of work sometimes especially when they come into the program um now if they've been there for a couple months or like for a year it's like a beautiful beautiful sight to see them opening up and engaging and actually like telling me some of their stories because some of them I do know and then some of them I don't because I didn't feel like I guess brave enough to share it but some have shared their stories with me and it's like so hard not to like start bawling because it's literally like slavery and treated like an animal. It's crazy. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can imagine it would bring you to tears to hear these stories. Mm -hmm. What I'm hearing is this broader definition of human trafficking that you're giving, that it it seems like it the lines are kind of blurred between even like the sexting culture, 
because there's grooming in that and there's blackmail in junior highs these days. And when you're talking about that, it's people using blackmail or it's um, like it could be someone as close as a family member or a romantic relationship. Do you find that a lot of these girls, especially maybe younger, but maybe not especially that, but a lot are a lot of these girls in denial? Like do when they're being trafficked or groomed, do they do they just go, oh, no, he loves me and they're in denial and it's hard to get get them to see what's going on? Yes, and, and that does happen. Again, there's a trauma bond yeah. um, between a victim and a trafficker. The initial connection between a trafficker and a victim, it's not one of fear and hatred. Right. The initial connection between a victim and a trafficker is going to be love and trust. And again, it's that grooming process, right? I'm going to be the best pretend boyfriend or girlfriend you've ever had. I'm going to get you to fall in love with me. Yeah, so a lot of victims, they, they don't self-identify as a victim. Uh, some of them blame themselves for the situation they're in. And then you have other ones in the case of familial trafficking that Jamie mentioned where um, the trafficker is going to be a close relative. They may not even know that they're being trafficked or that it's a crime because it happens to my siblings. It happens to my cousins. This is just what we do to help mom and dad, right, or help mom sustain her drug habit or whatever it is um, that they're selling their children for to um, gain money for. So, yeah, it, you know, it, those lines get very blurred and very skewed. And, you know, a, a lot of victims aren't, aren't even going to self-disclose because this is my boyfriend. He's not my trafficker. He's my boyfriend. But ultimately, again, it is a trafficker. Right. Well, it sounds like in, the, in these situations, this can be a difficult mindset to break free from because, I mean, we think in our mind they're trying to escape from some sort of like unlit basement or something and, yeah. and trying to run out and get help. But often it's not that way. Well, it sounds like it isn't that way. They, In their mind, they're, they're, they feel like maybe they're just doing something that's maybe there's some normalcy to it. Um, maybe they feel they owe it to somebody, uh, to blackmail. Have you guys found that, I mean, in our world right now with social media and the way things have moved so fast in our culture, towards that, that the grooming process and coercion has ramped up because there's more access to many different people out there, easier to blackmail. And have you found that? Absolutely. Definitely. Oh, no, I was just saying, oh, definitely. Like, it's yeah, it's prime for targeting, for sure. Yeah. The, the number one platform is social media because where do our young people hang out? They hang out in Snapchat, they hang out in TikTok and Instagram. So traffickers and recruiters are gonna be hanging out in those same places. And then again, how lucrative is the online space for a trafficker, for a recruiter, because how many messages can they send out in one day off one app? Hundreds, if not thousands. And honestly, it takes takes one person to respond back to that post. And um, so, yeah, you know, even for our young men who are involved in the online gaming world, there's a lot of dangerous pitfalls there for young men because traffickers and recruiters are in those spaces and, and they're asking our young men for um, pictures. They're asking our young men to join them in private chatting apps. They're sending links to pornography. And so it's all over you know, social media and it, and it has absolutely made it much easier for traffickers, rec recruiters. And then again, you know, our young people, they're often um, going to engage in more risky behavior online because it feels safer. There feels like a degree of separation because they're behind a screen. But what we know is that, you know, recruiters and traffickers are in those spaces and they are, again, looking and preying upon vulnerabilities um, from young people. So if you have a young person that's posting about family dysfunction or, you know, maybe I just broke up with my boyfriend or girlfriend or I'm engaging in runaway behaviors, those traffickers, those recruiters are going to be targeting that person because that is a prime person for them to lure in 
into the life of trafficking. I appreciate you talking about that. There's guys in there too. There's you got me thinking. There's a guy in 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 our program in Pure Freedom Journey, who I think it was like five grand or something. He was blackmailed over, and so he sent a picture, like he sent a nude to somebody, and then they said, "Okay, now I'm going to send it to your friends list." And they, whatever they did, like they they had him right, and yeah, yeah. and I don't, I forget the end of the story. I think it didn't end up happening, but just the threat of it terrified him, and he had to move cities and it upended his life for a little bit. And then there's another guy who in the process of him becoming free from pornography, he found out his daughter was being groomed by all these, these men online on social media. And because then he always says like, now we talk about pornography in our home. So then he was able to talk to his daughter. It opened up this conversation and then she's able to talk to her schoolmates about, about, uh, about what's going on with sexting and nudes and stuff. So the connection is real, right? Like yeah. there's two guys connected through wow. grooming in different ways just in, in our program. Right. Um, and I do, I do want to highlight boys because boys are a very under-discussed and under-identified population when it comes to trafficking. Um, but, you know, the risk factors for boys tend to be homelessness, family dysfunction, substance abuse, spending time in foster care, identifying as LGBTQ plus if they don't have a supportive environment. And so boys are less likely to have a trafficker, but they absolutely still can. Um, boys are going to engage in a much higher rate of survival sex. Um, what I mean by that, they're going to exchange sex in order for something they need to survive. So let's say you have a young man walking down the street. It's late at night. An adult male passes him by and says, hey, you look hungry, can I buy you dinner? So the adult male purchases dinner for this young man. And then he says, he proceeds to tell the young man, you know, you really shouldn't be out on the streets tonight. It's cold, it's a bad part, part of town. Let me buy you a motel room. So the adult male purchases a motel room. And then he's, as he's handing that young man the key, he says, now, this is what you're gonna have to do for me in order to stay here tonight. That's survival sex. Boys tend to engage in a much, much higher rate of that. But what does our culture teach young men? Boys don't self-identify. They're not gonna self-disclose why, because culture tells young men, you should be strong. You should be able to fight somebody off or our culture also teaches young men you should enjoy sex why are you gonna you know why are you gonna complain about it so we as a culture we really have to be better for our young men so that we can we can assist them on their healing journey as well and the statistic is that it takes males about 20 years to disclose any type of sexual violence right and sammy also is there i i don't remember is there like three or four places like over the u.s for like a program for JISMA, there's not very many compared to for ladies. There are no. very few programs for male survivors. Yeah. Thanks for highlighting that. Because I sometimes, yeah, we miss that. We miss mm -hmm. what is actually happening. We In our minds, we kind of make up this thought process of what this does look like. And so that's why it's important to have these conversations. And one thing I wanted to key on too that you were, you were mentioning. So with some of these groomers and traffickers, I was picking up on this, is sometimes... It's just in a digital sense, isn't it? Like, am I correct in that? Like, so there's blackmail and things happening. Maybe there's not a face-to-face -face interaction, but you know, uh, this is great for parents to understand because sometimes maybe your teenager can get involved in some of this bad behavior and they're being controlled online by whoever has these pictures or whoever has access to these things and can spread. Is that, am I on the right thinking on that? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's sex torsion. That's um, the number one really thing that's happening with our youth today. Um, I was at a coalition meeting and they had a, 
a lady representing the FBI with the children, uh, Crimes Against Children's Unit, and she said that's the number one um, thing that's happening against our young people today. And so you have, there was a case out of North Texas where a, a man, a 30-year-old man was posing as a young female. His Insta handle was like hot girl 8887 And so he was asking young men for pictures. And he was exchanging pictures, obviously, that weren't of him. But as the young men sent pictures back to him, he would then kind of up the ante um, and say, now, um, now I want you to go record having um, sex with your siblings, and you're going to send it back to me. And if you don't do this, I'm going to release your pictures for everybody to see. And so, yeah, it's happening in the, in the digital realm, you know, a whole lot. And so that's that coercion, right? I have these pictures of you. You're going to do what I say, or I'm going to release them. That's how so many victims find themselves in trafficking situations and end up staying in those situations because they're afraid they are going to be released. Or, you know, we've all heard of, um, you know, young people committing suicide because they don't see a way out. They can't yeah. afford the fee the, that the trafficker, that the recruiter is charging, or, you know, they're scared their, their photos are going to be released online. And so, yeah. you know, they're taking drastic measures, which is which is so unfortunate and so sad. How many of these threats are bluffs and how many, like when a trafficker says that, if you call them on it and just don't follow through, will they actually follow through on sending the pictures? I think, I, you know, I'm going to be honest. I don't have a really good answer for that because I don't know like what the statistic is um, as far as, you know, do they actually uh, follow through? Or are they just bluffing? You know, just knowing the nature of traffickers absolutely can see them following through and, yeah. you know, kind of ruining somebody's reputation or, you know, I, I can see them doing that, knowing their, their characteristics, but yeah. this actual statistics, I don't have that information. Yeah, sure. And I, I don't know if this is a good question either that, because you might need some data, but do you know the, like, what's the end goal of a trafficker? Are they trying to lure somebody in to have them under their control for years or do they just yeah yeah that's money right because a typical um typically a victim is going to earn a a trafficker about a thousand dollars a day okay because that victim is going to be forced to engage in about 10 to 15 different sex acts in a day to bring that trafficker their quota and a trafficker is going to say um do you want to eat tonight do you want to take a shower tonight bring me my money And the thing about victims, they're not going to get days off. They're not going to get weekends. They don't get a call in sick. You're nine months pregnant. Oh, well, get out there and bring me my money. And just a side note here, typically a trafficker will let a victim um, have at least one baby while they're in a trafficking situation because then they can use that baby as leverage to keep that victim participating in a lie. Um, You know, there's massive, massive amounts of money involved in trafficking. And a trafficker is not typically just going to have one victim. They're going to have multiple victims. So if a trafficker has three victims, they're likely going to clear a million dollars a year off those three victims. And it's a lot easier to do people for trafficking than like drugs because you can move around, you know, the victims a lot easier than like having a huge thing moving around drugs. So it's awesome really easier money yeah and Pete and and other you know criminal industries are figuring that out because human trafficking is low low risk high reward low risk I get I'm a drug dealer I get pulled over with drugs in my car I'm going to get arrested right but if I'm a trafficker and I get pulled over with human victims in my car I've already trained them and threatened them and beat them they're not going to say anything so I might get a ticket for the reason why I got pulled over but I'm not that's going to be about the the gist of it if I'm also a drug dealer and I sell a drug, it's gone, right? I'm going to have to go out and get more drugs to sell. But if I'm a human trafficker and I sell a 16-year-old girl today, what can I do with her tomorrow? I can sell her over and over and over again. It's high reward. 
And Sammy, I think in how long does a trafficker, I can't remember, is it seven years that they usually last? Or not that, the average life expectancy yeah, for a trafficking victim is seven years with AIDS yeah. and homicide being the top killers. Yeah. Okay, wow. so it's not like they just let them free. There's AIDS and there's homicide that ends that seven years. Yeah, and you you know, out on the street, younger victims are going to go at a much higher price. Um, I had the opportunity to sit in on a conference with a male survivor, and he said, you know what? No one ever came and rescued me. I, I wasn't saved from, from the life of trafficking. He said, I aged out. I was replaced with younger victims. So that happens too where they're, you know, they're going to be replaced with a younger victim. Mm, wow. This is... Heavy to hear, um, to be it honest. Is. I mean, it's um, we're, and that's why we're thankful for for you both and the ministry you're involved in. Um, I wanted to ask the question to how are you guys seeing a link to trafficking and the porn industry? Because uh, I know that how many videos are being produced every day. I mean, so many. The money that's being made on that industry. And so, have you encountered that? Have you encountered women that have been or men that have been trafficked based out of that industry? For sure. Yes. Yeah. So we know that um, human trafficking is increasing because the demand is increasing. Human trafficking, it's a criminal industry, but it's an industry nonetheless. And every industry is built on supply and demand. So the truth is no one would be sold if no one were buying, but people are buying 79,000 youth and minors just in Texas alone. Here in West Texas in the Permian Basin, we have about 12 to 1300 ads every single day advertising victims for sale. And so what we know is that this is because of buyers. And we know about buyers that anybody can be a purchaser of sex, people from all walks of life. The buyer profile is 67% are white educated men, 66% have children, 52% are married, and 11% are, are women. So there's nothing really that sets a person apart as a buyer, but I do believe it is a process. I don't believe that anybody wakes up one day and says, you know what, I think I'm gonna go out and purchase another person for sex. But what I do believe and what the research and the data are showing is it a process, there, there's a process and there's, it's, it's a grooming process that propels and compels people to go out and purchase another person for sex. And the main avenue that we're seeing this happen through is pornography, because we know that pornography has a major role in shaping people's sexual desires and therefore contributing to the demand of human trafficking. Porn acts like a drug in the brain. And we know that one drug at the same dose doesn't eventually cut it for people. It, it doesn't have the same reaction. Porn Porn acts the same way in our brain. It act, reacts the same way with our dopamine receptors so that the same images and the same content at the same rate eventually doesn't cut it. So then people are driven to look for more novelty. They're driven to look for more hardcore porn until eventually the screen doesn't cut it. And then people are driven to go out and purchase another person for sex. And what we know about buyers too, oftentimes when they go out and purchase a victim for sex, they use porn to describe what they want because that's what their brains have been wired to desire and to look for. Um, so yeah, pornography is the main driver behind the increasing demand of human trafficking. And also um, for grooming too. Yeah. Grooming as well to be like, oh, this is what you're going to do here. Watch this porn. And this is what your buyers are going to want. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So really, if we can transform the, transform the demand side, the supply side will cease. And I think if we're going to have a conversation about ending sex trafficking, we have to have that conversation about ending pornography because the, the, the link between sex trafficking and pornography, they're inseparable. Um, it's been said that if prostitution is the main act, pornography is the dress rehearsal. Yeah. I mean, that's well said. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's connected in multiple ways. Like it's, 
a dress rehearsal for sure but it's also it puts fantasies in, in the minds of guys but then girls get recorded and then they're up on porn and there's many links to pornography yes. and sex and trafficking. I think myths out there that um the people involved in pornography are you know it, they're there consensually and you know based on what we know and what research is showing it that's by and large not true it does happen but there's so many stories of men women minors that are being coerced into producing pornography and again that's part of that definition of human trafficking right that coercion word um, there was a survey of 854 women in nine different countries, and each of those survey, uh, surveyed countries, almost half, 49% of those involved in prostitution said they were being forced to make pornographic um, images or pornographic films by traffickers. So all that content that's circulating on Pornhub and all these different pornographic websites is probably of another person's exploitation and victimization. Right. Yeah. And then they profit off it and they don't really care. And especially Pornhub, they've been demolished or not demolished, but they've been attacked lately, right? Just rightfully so, because they're supposed to censor all of their films, but there's no way they didn't hire enough people to censor. And all of these things were up on their site and they just don't care. Um, uh, there's a story of a 15 year old girl who was raped and abused and her instances of rape and abuse was filmed and it was posted on Pornhub and Pornhub actually verified her as a user. So ba- they basically endorsed that film. And this is just one case. There's, yeah, there's thousands, lots. thousands of cases of, of instances like that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's wow. demonic. I know Brittany Delamora, an old porn star, she she told me a couple of years ago, she's like, I was in the industry. She's like, I'm a curious person. I would always ask people, why are you here? She said, every person had a sad story. Every person had a sad story of why they're in the industry. And I remember there's one guy I was coaching and he was saying, but not it. like some people must enjoy it because so many are coerced into being in porn. But I was saying, but if they enjoy it, think about the pain that they're in. Like what led them to enjoy being in pornography? No matter what, there's a devaluing of self for some reason, mm-hmm. often because they've been coerced and they've been abused in some way, and that's why they're in porn. I'm wondering, there's a, there's trafficking networks, there's human trafficking networks, and do do traffickers ever go at it alone, or are, is it pretty much they're always part of a network? And then the second part of that question is, are traffickers also manipulated to stay and blackmailed to stay in the industry, or can they get out whenever they want? Um, I definitely think there's independent traffickers that are not uh, connected to any network because there are so many out there. And again, you know, they're catching on to the fact of that low risk, high reward. So there's massive amounts of money. I mean, traffic, human trafficking is $150 billion per year industry. And so massive amounts of money. So I think, again, people are figuring this out. So they're going at it on their own. There's, and then there are, you know, connected traffickers. Um, so I think you have a both there again, because we don't work directly with the traffickers. We work with the, with the victims, with the survivors. I, again, don't know the statistics of, you know, are there traffickers who want to get out? Maybe, but again, you think about the massive amounts of money that, that keeps them in play in, in getting victims to, to do the things that they want them to do. I think the, the money is a huge motivator for staying in that type of um, system. Right. Well, this is such a powerful conversation. Uh, we could probably talk about this for a long time and we are going to have you on next week. We want to hear more about 
some of the stories, what God has done in the lives of these people. And we're going to be asking you that next week. And so thank you, ladies, for joining us today. This has been such um, an eye-opening conversation and an important conversation. So thank you so much for taking the time. And for having us. Well, everybody, you're not going to want to miss part two of this because we're going to hear more about Reflection Ministries. We're going to hear more of some of the stories. We're going to hear how God is breaking people free and bringing healing and hope to people. Um, So you're going to want to hear that. And that's going to be an important part to this conversation as well. So check in with us next week and we hope that we'll see you there. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you would like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.